My friend Joy says she's not afraid of public speaking. She's terrified of what her body is going to do to her. Joy makes a great point. What are we afraid of? Have you ever had to present bad news to a hostile audience? I have. The news I had to deliver was very unpleasant, but it wasn't unexpected. I was a member of an organization that was in deep crisis. The leadership had been removed and the remaining members were highly polarized, barely speaking to each other. I had taken on a task and it was time to report on it. And it was bad, very, very bad news. Now, this wasn't last week, but it might have been because I remembered this day and this meeting so well. My hands were shaking. I was hot and felt cold sweat all over my body. I could barely breathe, and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to talk to these leaders who had been on the other side of the situation than I had been. I was terrified. I don't want to sound paranoid, but look, everything was going against me. The people I had to talk to, the topic I had to talk about, it was the future of the organization, or maybe the lack thereof, And the news that I had to give was not good. Today on the podcast, let's finish up our series on overcoming your fear of public speaking with two important keys. How do you give a speech when you're afraid of public speaking? If you want to learn to improve your public speaking skills, Toastmasters is here to help you develop your skills, your message, and your voice. This is Toastmasters 101, and I'm your host, Kim Cradgy. I remember that day so incredibly well, how terrified I was, how I was shaking, how I didn't know if I was going to be able to speak, and I wasn't confident that I was going to walk out of that room without being shredded by other people. I was not yet in Toastmasters, and I had not yet learned the first key to overcoming your fear when you're giving a speech. And that key, number one, is to learn to recognize the difference between your body and your audience. Whatever your stress reactions are, whatever, however your stage fright comes out of you, you have to learn to recognize them for what they are. They're physical manifestations of energy that your body is producing at that moment. You can let this power drive you or you can drive this power into your presentation. You may not be afraid of public speaking. You just may not know how to deal with the unexpected energy in your body. That's very different from being afraid of your audience. Was I afraid of my audience for that speech that I was talking about? Not physically afraid. But those events had proven that this audience was not friendly to me. I might not call them my enemies, but they'd proven they were not my friends. And to top it off, I was determined that I was not going to go away. My commitment to the task was evident of that. And quite honestly, there was a drive to get me to leave that group. So I think that my physical reactions that night were very reasonable, but I still had to give that speech. Whether you're giving bad news or you're just so new to public speaking that you don't know what your body is going to do, Often it feels like your body is working against you. When I needed to sound clear and competent, my voice was anything but. 
My notes were shaking in my hands, and I'm pretty sure I was about to vomit, and I'll bet I was pale and my skin looked clammy. I've said on this podcast and said at many Toastmasters meetings, getting used to being on the stage will help you learn your public speaking stage fright symptoms, and then you'll know how to deal with them. Then you can cope with your fear of your audience. But you have to be willing to get up there first to discover what those stage fright symptoms are. Many of these physical reactions are outside of our control. I don't know about you, but I can't seem to talk myself out of being nauseated. We may not be able to control these reactions, but we can compensate for them. And the obvious one is the shakes. If your hands shake, then the simplest solution is to keep your hands out of sight. Toastmasters recommends that we stand up straight and keep our hands at our sides when we don't have a purpose to move them. I don't know about you, but I talk with my hands. In fact, if you saw me record this podcast episode, you'd tell me to watch how much I flail around with my arms. I am everywhere. I am expressive during recordings. I knock my microphone stand. I hit my hands on my desk. You would not believe what I have to edit out of these recordings. So I think that this advice is good. Keep your hands out of sight or keep them at your side, but I often ignore it. When I try to control my hands, I put them behind my back. This irritates many of my evaluators, but it's still the only position I found to keep my hands still. So here's the question. What if I have notes that I need in order to give my speech? When I teach high school speech class, I talk about this problem with my students. I never say that notes aren't useful, and I never tell students they can't use them. But I do demonstrate how notes can be dangerous. Rattling papers distract the audience, and they send a message that the speaker doesn't want the audience to get. They're nervous. They're anxious. I think the best way to handle shaking hands is to know your material well enough that you don't need notes. If you feel you must have notes, use note cards, not paper. You don't need to have your entire speech written out in front of you. You just need a few notes. Now, if you're dealing with numbers that you're going to have to say and you need to be accurate, and I struggle with this in particular, I strongly suggest that you use a handout and make those numbers clear and you eliminate confusion. If you're a new Toastmaster and you're just starting out, this suggestion is running against the grain, but you might want to think about using computer presentation software. Use PowerPoint. It's an added complication that you might feel is beyond you right now. However, numbers on a screen are a lot simpler for everyone. My friend Judy just did a presentation at Advanced Club about how to present statistics. It was eye-opening to see how we can show numbers in ways that clarify our points, not confuse us with numbers that we have to try to juggle in our heads. We can find ways to do this well. So, if you've got a problem with the shakes, avoid paper, hide your hands, and use computer graphics to help you hide this symptom to compensate for it. Do you have shaky knees? I get shaky knees. This one is actually kind of easy. Wear something that hides your knees. You don't want to lock your knees because that's going to work against you. It's going to make you stiff and awkward. It reinforces your nerves because that's not how we stand. 
you will get better. Shaky knees tend to wear off as far as I'm concerned. But for women, you might want to consider what shoes you want to wear. Would heels be better? Would flat shoes be better? What are you most comfortable in? Find the clothing that suits your comfort level and the needs of the presentation. If your audience is expecting a professional presentation, you need to dress appropriately. Now, sometimes that means a skirt when you want to hide your knees. Yeah, I get that. You can practice your presentation so you don't have to worry about how your clothing is going to affect you and how you can maximize your clothing to hide those shaky knees. In the last podcast episode, I talked about breathing, but what about nausea? I wish I had a good answer for this one. I've been giving a presentation with a fellow Toastmaster for a nonprofit organization for several years. We have done this probably 20 times. In this year of the plague, we discussed moving it online. I am not a lover of webinars. I have a maximum attention span online. I watch YouTube videos on double speed because I get bored. I'm sure that many of you have also been conditioned to believe that when we get bored online, there's something else to look at or a game for me to play. So doing a webinar is not my thing. When we did the practice run webinar of this seminar, I was sick to my stomach. The nausea was unbelievable. If I had a good cure for that, you got to believe me, I would have used it that day. My biggest stress reactions are going to my guts. I get nauseated. I get overheated. So my plans are pretty simple. I don't wear heavy clothes and I'm not going to eat very much beforehand. I try to limit what I'm going to eat to simple fresh foods that aren't going to give me indigestion before I start. And I'm going to drink a lot of water an hour before this presentation starts. I get comments from some of my fellow Toastmasters about how much I drink during the meetings. Well, okay, some of the meetings are in the morning and I'm still drinking my chai. Some of my meetings are after dinner, so I'm finishing up whatever I'm drinking. Besides, I get dry. I usually have a glass of water beside me during the day, regardless of what I'm doing. I try to be very cautious about what I eat and drink before I start a presentation. I avoid whatever makes me burp, carbonated beverages or seltzer, and that's pretty much all I can say about it. I still struggle with this when I speak. It's not pretty, but hey, we're going to be real here. Many of my body's reactions to stress and fear in public speaking simply can't be eliminated. It can be masqueraded or compensated. You can hide it or you can redirect your audience's attention to something else. If you have a prop and your hand is shaking, maybe using an image would be better for you. Or if you're meeting in together, use that prop and pass it around instead of keeping it in your hand or set it on the podium so you don't have to deal with it. You can come up with all kinds of tips and you can practice them at your Toastmasters meeting. Did I ever tell you about the 10-minute speech I had to give? And my knees were really bad. It was the middle of winter. I wasn't just shaky. I was in a lot of pain. I was shifting from foot to foot to try to get some relief. And I knew that my evaluator is going to ding me on that. So instead, I decided to compensate. I put two chairs in front of the lectern, and I got up there and got into that chair like I was getting into a car. And I gave the speech as if I were driving. Just a little bit of play acting, adjusting the seat, adjusting the mirrors, 
and my audience joined me in a presentation that I still get comments about nine years later. Nobody knew the reason why I wanted to sit. They still don't. So don't tell anybody I told you about this, okay? Be creative in how you can camouflage your body's reactions to stress. You will find your best solutions come out of your distress. If understanding the difference between stage fright and the fear of your audience is the first key, then the second key is know your material. The better you know your material and your speech, the better you're going to be able to perform. When you're preparing your speeches, especially your first Toastmasters speeches, do go for things that you know well. You can concentrate better on your presentation skills when you don't have to stretch to remember your content. This means spending time in preparation. Write your speech and practice. Am I advocating that you should write out your speech word for word? Personally, I do it. It's a way for me to know when I've got enough content because for me, a speech that's three pages long at 14 point font double spaced is about five minutes at my usual speed. But I don't read my speech when I get up on the stage. I take the paper up with me to the lectern and I lay it down, face down, and give my speech. Is it necessary for me to take that speech up? No, not at all. I can honestly say I don't remember ever turning it over. Is it a security blanket? Well, I'm not sure. I just do it, but maybe it is a security blanket. Preparation time is more than just writing a speech or preparing a computer presentation. It's reading the speech out loud and looking for the best words, where to put the pauses, how to gesture, all the components of the speech. For me, the hardest part of the speech is the closing. I fully accept the irony that I always tell people to write their endings first so they know where their speech is going, but I often find myself redoing that ending or not really having a good wrap-up at the end. When I get enough practice in, I don't have that problem. I know many Toastmasters who can stand up and give a fantastic speech without any preparation because they know what they want to say. They know their material inside and out. Being confident that you know your topic and know it so well that you don't have to worry about the content gives you the power to channel all of that energy into your presentation skills. What builds your self-confidence? When you have a lot of self-doubt, you undermine your ability to succeed. So how do you overcome self-doubt? By starting with the simple tasks and building your confidence in your capabilities. If your goal is to speak to thousands of people, you start by speaking to a few and learning the skills that you need. As you gain experience, you're going to fail. I promise you, you're going to goof up and that's okay. You'll learn from those experiences too. You might even learn more. You'll learn you can screw up and you can do better next time. Self-doubt. I'm convinced is nothing more than you haven't had a chance to try yet. And that makes sense to me. Not everyone assumes that they can do everything right away. In fact, people who think that are perfectionists and they usually have their own set of issues. But allowing the reasonable question, can I do this? To limit you is self-defeating. This is why the gradual rise of your participation in Toastmasters will help you grow. Starting with your story, 
learning how to receive and give evaluations, how to research and craft a speech is the sequence that Toastmaster recommends. That's our level one. This gives you the grounding that you need to develop your basic skills. As you learn the foundations, you're going to build confidence. Self-confidence is our biggest tool against stage fright. Earlier in this podcast, and in many past episodes, I talk about how your body is producing energy. It perceives a need to act quickly, and that's why it creates it. The presentation I told you about at the beginning of the episode, the short version is the organization survived. The fallout from those events, now over 13 years ago, they still haunt us. Some scars still hurt years later. But I'm a different, more confident speaker now. If I had to give that presentation again, I would still feel nervous. I can't imagine I'd be calm and relaxed and ready to present in a good frame of mind. But now I understand my stage fright reactions and my symptoms, and I can separate the bad news I have to give from my body's reaction to giving a presentation. I can channel that energy from a negative to a positive source to help me deliver a successful speech. I have never had an experience of presenting to a hostile audience in Toastmasters. But because I've gradually grown in my skills, I do believe I will handle it better next time. Our music today is from incompetech.filmmusic.io. Toastmasters 101 is a podcast production of Toastmasters District 10. My thanks to Shane Whaley of Tourpreneur Podcast. He's the reason I went long. Blame him. In the meantime, please recommend this podcast to the people you know who have a fear of public speaking. In Toastmasters, we have ways of making you talk, and you will enjoy them. This wraps up our series on overcoming your fear of public speaking when you're giving a prepared speech. But what about when you aren't prepared? Next week, let's talk about impromptu speaking. We'll see you next time on Toastmasters 101 Podcast.